0: Amen, amen. If you would, in your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. How wonderful it is, you know, uh, when Martha's not here to play the piano, I can really hear you guys sing, and it's wonderful uh, to hear you singing out praises uh, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, the downside of that is, you have to hear me sing, uh, but it's still praises uh, to our Lord and Savior, and so, uh, how awesome that is, we are in Isaiah chapter 40 today. We're going to start a, a, a series in Isaiah 40, uh, and here in uh, the first verse of Isaiah 40, it says, "Comfort, comfort my people," says your God. And these words at the beginning of, at the beginning of not only Isaiah 40, the chapter. But it's really the beginning of a section in the book of Isaiah that goes from Isaiah 40 to verse 50, or chapter 55. And, and the key theme uh, of not only the chapter but the section is the comfort and consolation of Israel. Uh, and as God declares here Israel's deliverance, first from exile by the hand of Cyrus the Persian king, then ultimately by God's chosen an anointed one, the Messiah, the person, Jesus Christ. Now, we've just finished the book of Lamentations. We spent two months uh, going through those five chapters, and in doing so, we have seen where the prophet Jeremiah and the people, uh, because of their sin uh, and the punishment of God against their sin, uh, needed comfort because of all the devastation and destruction that they had gone through. But not only uh, was it the prophet Jeremiah, but also here the prophet Isaiah uh, talked about that destruction. In fact, he prophesied about it in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. And he said this, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me and he said go and say to this people keep on hearing but do not understand keep on seeing but do not perceive make the heart of the people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed then i said how long O lord and he said until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people And the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And so the book of Lamentations as we went through the last two months showed us that the cities were laid waste without people and the land was a desolate waste and the People were removed far away into exile, into Babylon. And of course, this left God's people in a desperate situation in need of a comforter. That they needed a comforter. Lamentations made that clear. In chapter 1, we see five times in chapter 1 saying that Jerusalem has no one to comfort her. She has no comforter. For a comforter is far from me. There is none to comfort her. There is none to comfort me. And then in chapter 2, the prophet asked, What can I liken to you that I may comfort you? And while Lamentations ends with God's people in need of God's comfort and assurance, Isaiah 40 shouts it out. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. But it wasn't just God's people of old who need comfort. We, as God's people today, still need the comfort of God in the midst of devastation and destruction of life that we experience in this world. So as a follow-on to the book of Lamentations, over the next five Sundays, we will look at Isaiah 40, and it's called by God for comfort to his people. One of the reasons we're here is because God does deliver uh, his people Israel from her exile, and he continues to comfort and deliver his people today through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And as we look at verses 1 through 5 as in Isaiah 40, we're going to see seven elements of comfort provided by God to his people. And so if you would, in your Bibles... Follow along as I read Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her inequity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain hill be made low. Then uneven grounds become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we are so grateful for your word to us today. We do pray that you comfort our hearts uh, through your word that, Father, as we look at your word and as we uphold your son, Jesus Christ, may we be comforted in the midst of our affliction or our grief or just the regular living in this world that seems to batter us uh, from every direction every day. And so, Father, we turn to you and we turn to your word and we turn to your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. comfort comfort my people god here in verse 1 has commissioned someone even possibly a, a a group of people to speak to his people words of comfort now whether it was the prophet isaiah or a group of prophets or the divine council or even us today reading these words god has commissioned comfort to his people And it is without a doubt that part of the call for comfort here in Isaiah 40 would be fulfilled, as I said earlier, when King Cyrus, the the Persian king, allowed the Jews to return to their homeland and they rebuilt the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. Yet that is not the only comfort that is being presented here in Isaiah 40 or the rest of the book. It ultimately, this comfort from God, ultimately points to God's work of redemption in redeeming fallen humanity and restoring them to a right relationship with him. And so it is with that comfort that we're going to dwell on these first five verses and we're going to encounter seven elements of comfort from God. And the first element of comfort that we find is in verse 1 when he says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And so the first element of comfort is that they are his people, and he is their God. Or or we are his people, and he is our God. And what can be more comforting to a person or to a church or to a group of people to know that they are gods? That we are a people for his own possession. That was not always so. In fact, even with the Israelites, as they were going through the punishment of God for their sin, that they were at some point uh, called not uh, his people. And, and he said to them in Hosea that he was not their God. And yet later Hosea would prophesy that God would again and say to them, you are my people and I am your God. And before we knew Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, before you knew Jesus Christ, you were in that same position. Before you knew Jesus Christ, you were not his people, uh, and he was not your God. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his person and work on the cross, that God had shown us mercy through Jesus Christ, and we became part of his people. You became a child of God and part of the family of God. And so what a comfort to know that you're God's own, that you are a child of God. And and, and therefore, as as a parent uh, 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 takes care and loves a child, God takes care and loves his people. 1 Peter 2, verse 10 reminds us of this fact. It says, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, this is what happens when you place your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in the fact that he died for you on the cross and that he rose again from the dead in order to give you life, that you receive the comfort of God, uh, you become his child, you become part of the family of God, and you receive comfort from knowing that he is your God. You have been reconciled to him. The second element... Uh, of comfort that we find here in verses one through five is here in verse two in, in, in the very first part. And he says, he says to to those he commissions to provide comfort to his people. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, speak tenderly Jerusalem. And so the second element of comfort is tender words of encouragement. These tender words of encouragement, you know, uh, often you've heard maybe that saying, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words." will never hurt me. Let me tell you, that's a lie. That's a lie. Words, certainly not physically, will hurt you, but they can hurt you mentally and emotionally and even spiritually. When I was a boy, my my dad uh, my dad and I weren't close. It wasn't until later in life that, that we were close. But when I was a, a, a boy growing up, m- my dad would often... Say to me," said, "If I had half a brain, I would be dangerous." How do you think that affects a young man as he hears that over and over, uh, growing up uh, in that? Uh, and 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 uh, uh, luckily, I became a Christian, so it didn't affect me much after that. And uh, when I was 17, and, and and but as I before that, it certainly uh, did hurt to know that uh, what my dad was saying uh, about me. And so uh, some things can be mighty that parents can be mighty hurtful to their children by what they say. But here we see the heart of God in in providing comfort. He says, speak speak to Jerusalem, comfort, comforting in tender words, words of gentle words, encouraging words. Speak to their heart these tender words. Because otherwise, you know, it's kind of hard to provide comfort to people if you're yelling at them, right? If you're saying, Uh, Cruel and mean things to him. And and so for comfort to come, God uh, is speaking tender words to his people uh, in that. And so there's no uh, tender words spoken to God's people than the words that have come from the mouth of Jesus. From the mouth of Jesus. In Matthew 11, that passage we read in, in verses 28 through 30, where Jesus says, come to me. All who labor and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Did you hear the tender words of Jesus spoken to you? He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Scripture tells us uh, uh, about the tenderness of Jesus. It, It says... In fact, in Isaiah chapter 42, uh, in in, in, uh, just a couple chapters on, in verses 1 through 3, uh, this is uh, Matthew, actually, this is Matthew 12, quoting Isaiah 42, Matthew 12, verses 17 through 21. And Matthew says this uh, about Jesus, uh, that he was to fulfill the words spoken by uh, Isaiah the prophet. He says, Behold, my servant who I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear uh, his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. And this is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that, He is one who knows how to speak words of comfort to his people, words that come from a gentle and lowly heart. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he cries out to you, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But dear Christian, if you're here today and your heart is burdened, know that you can go to Jesus Christ. And find rest, find rest uh, in his work that he has done for you on the cross. The third element of comfort that we find here in verses 1 through 5 is the the discipline of the Lord. Now, you might think right off, that doesn't sound very comforting, Darren. Uh, That does sound very comforting, the discipline and punishment of the Lord. But it is, that that, uh, it is... Uh, a, a comfort to know that God loves you so much that he disciplines you in your sin. Now, here in the passage, he, he's in verse 2, he says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her inequity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And, and so... Uh, God destroyed the temple, the the city, and carried the people out off to exile in Babylon. And and now here, through uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, he's telling them that their punishment for their sin is is coming to an end. It's coming to an end, Aaron. This is uh, the words of comfort to them. Uh, Basically, he's saying that your, your your time of trial, that's the idea of the warfare, that your time of trial... Is almost over. Now, God didn't, this word double for all their sins, it's not saying that God paid them twice back for their sin, but really what it's saying is that they received sufficient punishment for all their sins. The, the just punishment of their sin has been accomplished, and it's time for a new start. And for God's children, if you're a Christian, that, that, that God's discipline ought to be a comfort to you knowing that he doesn't leave you as you are, that he loves you so much that he disciplines you, as Hebrew 12 tells us, that a father disciplines the the son that he loves. And so this is an assurance, knowing that God disciplines those he loves who are his children. It is an assurance and a comfort from God that the father is disciplining those he loves. And it's also a comfort in the fact because, because what does discipline accomplish? It, it accomplishes uh, the fruit of righteousness in our lives. And if we love Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the righteous one, then we want to see righteousness produced in our lives. And so God's comfort, God's discipline is a comfort to us, to his people. Fourthly, the fourth element of comfort we find in this text is in verse 3. It says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now what is what is being talked about here is that this voice that's crying is, is crying that God is returning to his people, that he's, he's coming to his people. He's coming to deliver them and take them back from exile in Babylon uh, to to uh, to the to their promised land in there, and and so for us today, that it's a it's a cry that God has come in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and, and so uh, the comfort is that God has been preparing and has prepared uh, a way of deliverance for His people, as He led. Uh, the Israelites through the wilderness from Babylon back to uh, uh, Judea, uh, and he, he led them back to rebuild the temple and the, the walls of Jerusalem, that God has prepared a way for every person uh, to be in a proper relationship with him. How has he done it? He's done it through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and we know this, and this is where... Uh, our text uh, connects with the New Testament and, and the work of Jesus Christ is through uh, this first part where it says a voice cries in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God that we know uh, from the New Testament that that person ultimately while it was Isaiah uh, and, and Jeremiah for the Israelites that, that for all people everywhere every tribe, tongue, and nation it was John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus Christ? That John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. We know this from Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79 that uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, uh, after he got his voice back, after he's born and he got his voice back, he, he says this uh, about his son. He says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Or in Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, where Mark writes, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so John the Baptist was the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was that way? If God had been preparing his plan of redemption from the beginning, and and what the, the Israelites experienced was just one point, uh, uh, one uh, one short stop on that journey to God fulfilling His plan of redemption. We see it fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. God uh, God in the Son, He put on flesh and He dwelt among us. He lived a perfectly righteous life and fulfilling the law, and therefore He went to the cross willingly, dying for our sins in our place, taking upon Himself the wrath of God, uh, so that we didn't have to experience God's just judgment against our sin, and then he ascend, He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and having been seated at the right hand of the Father, that he has sent to us the Holy Spirit. And so this verse, verse 3, is talking about preparing a way for God to come and meet and deliver his people, which was fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the good news is that God prepared a way, a way for you to be reconciled to him through his son Jesus Christ. That's a comfort. Knowing, Knowing from before the foundation of the world that God so loved you that he prepared a way for him to come in the person and work of Jesus Christ so that you might know redemption, that you might be delivered from sin and death. Our fifth element of comfort from our text is the power of God, the power of God. In verse 4, having cried out, in verse 3, it says, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low the uneven ground should become level, and the rough places a plain. Now what's, what's being talked about here is, is language that is hyperbole, uh, that it's exaggerated to, to show uh, uh, what is happening. In, in the ancient world, when a king went to visit a section of his empire, right, the, the roads weren't the greatest, were they? And, and the king didn't want to travel on bumpy roads, and so they sent out uh, they sent out workmen who would who would level the road as much as possible to make it easy for the king to travel to get to where he was going. And, and this is what the language is being used here concerning God uh, that that every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, made level. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places. A plain Why? Why? So that God can come into the presence of His people, and He can deliver them. And what? So what we see here is the power of God, which accomplishes His purposes. The power of God, uh, what is able to accomplish His purposes. You see, there is only so much that King Cyrus could do to deliver God's people, but God has all the power in the universe. And he can, he can make a valley. He can raise a valley and he can lower a mountain in order to accomplish his purposes. There's nothing that can thwart his plan of redemption. Nothing that can stand in his way from delivering his people. Not your sin. Not the circumstances of this world. Not whatever you go through. That God through his power, is able to accomplish his purposes. I like how one uh, writer put it concerning this verse. He He says, God has commissioned freeway contractors to carry out a highway to take him back to deliver his people. And God did make a way. As I said earlier, God made a way through Jesus Christ, that God put on flesh. We, we call that the incarnation. That's the, the greatest miracle uh, in, in Christianity, that God put on flesh and dwelt among us. God made a way. He made a way uh, for himself to come uh, among his people uh, in order that he might save them. And he has made a way for all of us who call upon the Lord to find comfort in him. He's made a way for anyone who wants to follow Jesus Christ to follow him. All they have to do is call upon the Lord, and you shall be saved. That's all. You just call upon Christ, and he will save you. That's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 and verse 13 tells us. Verse 13 specifically, all who call upon the Lord shall be saved. And so the power of God brings comfort, knowing that, that God is able to accomplish everything he promised. Everything that he speaks, he is able to accomplish. The sixth element of comfort that we find in our text, uh, we find in verse 5, he says, uh, after the uh, valleys are lifted up and the mountain and hills are made low, it, it says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so here this sixth comfort is the glory of God. The glory of God is our comfort. Now what is God's glory? God's glory is his unique splendor, his majesty, the perfection of his attributes uh, uh, that, that will be revealed, as it says here in verse 5, that it will, will be revealed, has been revealed through uh, from the beginning right when he in genesis 1 when he spoke and created the universe out of nothing that revealed his glory uh, when he brought the people out of the promised land that re- revealed his glory uh, and how was that revealed by uh, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night when he uh, Moses went up on the mountain god re- revealed his glory a- as he brought him back Uh, the Israelites from exile he revealed his glory Uh, in the incarnation he revealed his glory Jesus death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead he revealed his glory but here in this verse what he's talking about ultimately is that God will reveal his glory so that everyone everyone he says in verse 5 all flesh shall see it together And, and so Uh, God will reveal his glory so that every tribe, tongue, and nation will see the glory of God. And when will that happen? When will God uh, bring that comfort to his people? Ultimately, it happens with the return of the king, the second coming of Christ. At that point, all, all flesh will see God's glory revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter two, verses nine through eleven. He says, "Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." And so God will reveal His glory uh, to all flesh in the return of Christ. He He will reveal His. Glory as Christ takes his rightful place on the throne. He'll reveal his glory as Christ rights all wrongs in this world and brings justice uh, to those who rebel against him. And so the glor- coming glorification uh, of our king uh, it will bring comfort. It's a comfort in this world. That's why the Apostle Paul uh, can talk about uh, the return of Christ as our glorious hope as we reflect on the fact that Christ will return and, and, and make everything right, that is a comfort and a hope in this world. It's a comfort and hope knowing that one day all wickedness and oppression and injustice will not have the last word. Jesus will have the last word. The last word that that maybe people will have is that they're confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. That means believers and unbelievers will recognize that whether uh, they want to or not, that Jesus is Lord, and the fact that He rules and reigns over this world, and one day uh, it will be uh, consummated by His return, brings comfort to us this day. In our final seventh element of comfort for us uh, is found in the last part of verse 5 it says for the mouth of the Lord has spoken and so the seventh comfort element of comfort is the word of God now we're going to look more at that next week in verses 6 through 8 but God's word is a comfort to his people and in this sense <coughs> in verse 5 the comfort is that when God speaks we can trust that it will come, come to happen, that it's sure and certain uh, to happen. Uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Why? Because God does not lie, right? God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken and will it not come to pass? God does not lie when he speaks, when he promises it comes to pass. And so God's word is a comfort to us Uh, It is sure and certain we can know that whatever God has spoken in the person of Jesus Christ, every promise made in Jesus Christ will come to us, uh, will happen, will be fulfilled and carried out, whether it's in this life or in the next, that it is sure and certain to take place uh, in that. And, And so we can trust and be comforted by the word of God. And so we find here in verses 1 through 5, we find uh, seven elements of comfort for us in the midst of our circumstances of life. And, and all of us need comfort, uh, who, whether it's because we're going through uh, an affliction, uh, it might be a sickness, whether it's going because we're grieving over the loss of a loved one, or maybe it's just because of the circumstances of life at this point are, are uh, not what we thought they would be that we all look to, for comfort and if you're a Christian that comfort is to come uh, only from the person of Jesus Christ the Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way in the very first question and answer it asks the question what is your only comfort in life and in death and the answer is that I am not my own by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. You see, God, our God, has always been about and working towards providing his comfort to his people. And one of the reasons that he comforts us is not so that we can sit around and soak more comfort in. But he comforts us so that we might be a comfort to others. That's what Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, what you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. And so, dear ones, if you know the comfort of the Lord today, let me exhort you and challenge you to comfort others with the comfort that you yourself were comforted A comfort that can come only through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. It is in his name that we pray. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your words to us today that often we look to the world and the things of this world to provide comfort in the midst of our affliction. But Father, may we this day look only to your Son, Jesus Christ, who has comforted us by forgiving us of our sin by making us alive in him, by giving us a peace that surpasses understanding, by taking our eyes off of this world and looking to our only Redeemer and Deliverer who speaks tenderly to us and says that I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so, Father, may, as we have gathered here today heard your word, be comforted and take that comfort and use it to comfort others. For Father, we know there are many hurting and lonely people around us, people who need a word of comfort, a word of peace, a word of hope, a sure and certain word that comes only. the mouth of God. So, Father, we praise you, we thank you, and we give you all the glory. In Christ's name we pray.